What up, everybody? Welcome back to The Startup Show, where each week we talk with a starter who has found success in pursuing their business idea, nonprofit, promotion, whatever, by ignoring distractions and getting started. As always, I'm your host, Adam Vasquez, a.k.a. the Puerto Rican Deacon, a.k.a. the Philly Billy. And always, as always, I've got my man, D-Money Rhymes with Honey, a.k.a. the Young King, a.k.a. the Kid from High Point, mixing today's episode. On today's episode, we sit down with Jason Zook. Jason is an entrepreneur the author of Creativity for Sale, and the fearless leader of JasonDoesStuff.com, where he provides content, inspiration, and ideas for folks as they pursue their dreams. Pretty uh, pretty seamless with what we're doing here at the Startup Show. So you may have heard of Jason when he was making a million dollars wearing T-shirts for brands, when he sold his last name to companies as a marketing tactic, or even when he sold his future to clients via BuyMyFuture.com. We talk about a lot of that. Uh, Jason was kind enough to come on and discuss parts of his journey in getting started, how he believes social media is poisoning us as a society. You heard that, right? Very, uh, uh, it scared me, the conversation. And um, and we also talked about what he's working on next. So um, I'm really excited for you guys to hear this conversation in just a moment. <clears throat> Today's episode is brought to you by Stratfire Media. Here at Stratfire, I think you guys know, but just wanted to let you guys um, in on exactly what we're doing. We build websites, e-commerce stores, and digital content for small and medium-sized businesses. Um, and we've got clients that range from startup ideas to $100 million companies um, with a product suite that ranges to serve each client uniquely. So if you're interested in learning more about what you do, please feel free to email me, always at adam at stratfire.com. We're continuing to build this up, and we want you to be a part of it. And you can sign up for our free monthly newsletter where we give you the little tips and tricks that we are applying to our clients at stratfire.com as well. All right, without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Jason Zook. Always on the on the show, uh, you know, we're always interested in how people got started, and specifically when they come from maybe more humble beginnings or or a smaller idea. And uh, just in, in looking at your history, um, you know, kind of tell us about how you got started selling selling t shirt ads, essentially that you were actually wearing, right? Something something like that. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I would say that I'm a very, uh, a good picture of if, if this guy can do it, you, you can do anything you want. <laughs> because I was just a, a lowly nobody from Florida, and now I'm a lowly nobody who lives in California. And I had a small design company. I got tired of working at the 9 to 5 world right out of college as a designer. And I just, I just hate it. I hate going to like a job, even though I had like a three minute commute, I had a fully beige existence in that job, like mm. beige chair, beige desk, beige walls, like everything was beige, literally the beige, work. the color and <laughs> literally beige as well. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and about three and a half years into that beige existence, because as most people know, when they're in that world, you don't just jump out of it quickly. Uh, you kind of get stuck there and you feel secure but I, I had this just this feeling in my gut that like I could do something more than this or I could at least control my own future in some way. And, and actually, Seth Godin's book, The Purple Cow, was like the, the impetus for me. That book landed on my desk somehow. Uh, I'm sure my boss wasn't happy that I got that book because six months after reading it, I put in two weeks notice and I quit. Mm. Um, but I started this, this small design company and we called it a design agency, but it was two people. So I think if you have two people, you're allowed to be an agency. Okay, and perfect. I think after that, like you added you add another person and you're then like an, a design firm. And then I think when you get to four, 
you're like a, just a design and branding entity. You know, then you're just like you're enormous. The like conglomerate, that. really. Then, then you're just but a anyway, multinational uh, corporation. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we we did you know design work for anybody we could do design work for. Uh, my buddy was actually the talent. I was just kind of managing customers and taking care of all the odds and things. Mm-hmm. Which really just meant surfing the internet back in 2007. This is kind of pre-social media, so there wasn't even like a lot to do on the internet. But um, I remember when I was at my job, because it was actually a couple of years before that, the Million Dollar Homepage came in front of me, as it did almost everybody in the world, and I was like, what? "This is crazy! Like, you can do this? Like, how can you just set up a web page and then sell something crazy and make money? Like, this just mm-hmm. blows my mind." Mm-hmm. And so we were at this, I had this design company and our clients kept asking us like, Hey, the designs are great. We appreciate the work you do, but do you guys know anything about social media? Like we keep hearing about Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. Like, should we be on these things? And I guess because we were like the young uh, design firm at Mm -hmm, that time mm -hmm. uh, that was just, you know, blowing up. uh, They looked at us kind of as like, you know, cool and hip and whatever. And the hilarious part is, I didn't have a Twitter account. I didn't even know what tweeting was. So like, if you would have asked me back then, I would have said like, oh yeah, I'll send a twit. Like, I, you know, I would have said something <laughs> stupid. Um, and, and again, remind you, like this is 2007, 2008. So this is really before any of those sites had adoption. Facebook right. was still a closed platform. So you still had to have a college email address to use it. I think it was actually still the Facebook too. Um, but I, I, so I started looking because it, it happened. I get these questions multiple times and anybody who probably listens to your show has probably heard this from other people is that if you start to hear patterns, if you start to see patterns or repetitive things, you should kind of like put your antenna up and go, ah, oh, you know what? Like I'm, I'm hearing, you know, repeating things. Like, let me look into this or, or dive into this. Right. So yeah, I saw these social media platforms that there were people hanging out on them. And I just looked at them like, Hey, this is kind of cool. It's a lot of people in one place giving their attention we're already seeing that with TV, with radio, with, you know, just driving around a city and we have advertising for those things. And it's a widely accepted, you know, means of, of companies getting in front of people. Doesn't, why doesn't that exist on social media? And so, I mean, this is like, you think about this, there's no such thing as an influencer in 2008. There's no right. such thing as having a personal brand back then. Uh, you know, none of these things existed, but I just saw it as an opportunity to say, what if I was just the random Joe Schmo? who like talked about companies on social media. And so then it came, became this idea of like, well, how do I do that? You know, I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm still a nobody. But like even more back then, like I didn't even have social media accounts. How in the world am I going to get people to follow me? And one morning I was standing in my closet and I looked at my rack of T-shirts as anybody listening could probably go do right now. And I see Nike and Lululemon and Polo and whatever, like all these different brands. Mm. And it just kind of slapped me in the face. Like I paid these companies for this, these clothing, these pieces of clothing. And now I actually walk around promoting those companies continually. Like, right. I, they, they don't even have to ask me to do this. And I was like, man, this is really interesting. Like, I don't care really what clothes I wear. I'm a guy who has very minimal fashion sense at all. Um, what if I put on sponsored t-shirts? Like what if I put brands on t-shirts? And then promoted them through these social media channels. And so that was really the, where I Wear Your Shirt started. And to even make it even like, more humbling for people to understand, like, while that idea was fun and interesting and cool, I built a website, we built a logo, I did a photo shoot, like I did all this stuff to kind of build this thing up. And we launched I Wear Your Shirt. I say we, it was me and like a developer. Launched I Wear Your Shirt in uh, September of 2008. Mm-hmm. And 12 people showed up to the website. Hmm. 12. Uh, and I think the majority of them were me refreshing on multiple browsers, my grandmother, because I called her and I was excited, my mom, because I also called her, and then my, my developer. Like, there was no one who found it. And yeah. it's because I just thought, 
I could just put up a website on the internet and people would find it. Um, but so from there, you know, you want to talk about humble beginnings. Like I went through my inbox, my email inbox, and I emailed like the first 20 people that I could find email addresses for. And instead of saying like, hey, buy my thing, uh, I just said, hey, I just launched this crazy project where I want to ask the world to pay me to wear a T-shirt and talk about their company on a day. And the whole idea with I Wear Your Shirt was I would film a YouTube video. I would take photos. I would just be a human person telling the story of these companies. And, and that was what really excited me about the idea is there's a lot of, there's so many companies in the world that have no platform. They have no megaphone other than what they have. And I could be a voice for them to share to other people. And, and that kind of, that conduit made it not feel so much like a sleazy ad, but felt like, hey, Jason, this normal guy is talking about this company. You're like, well, I'll, you know, maybe I'll listen to him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it, it, it took a shit ton of emails. It took a lot of, uh, a lot of persistent uh, just sharing and talking and then getting on Twitter and actually understanding what it was and how to communicate with people and how to not spam people, which I definitely did in the beginning because I just mm-hmm. didn't know any better. Uh, you know, and then I just very slowly started to trickle in some sales. And, and one of the unique things about Irish Shirt besides the idea itself was the way it was sold. So the first year... It was sold at face value. So January 1st was $1. January 2nd was $2, all the way up to December 31st, which was $365. Mm-hmm. And I kind of later called this pricing bump sale pricing because it kind of bumps after every uh, occurrence. Uh, but that was actually a really attractive thing for people because they could say, oh, I'm going to pay this this Joe Schmo $12 to wear my T-shirt. Yeah, why not? Like, this is a right. no-brainer. Um, and the cool, the cool thing was, is that math added up to like $86,000 by the end of the year if all the days were sold, wow. as opposed to just charging like $100 on one day, which actually only added up to like $36,000. And yeah. there was no urgency to get someone to buy one day or another in that kind of setup. So, so yeah, that's so, kind of the, the very humble beginning. No, those are not, those are amazing beginnings. That's such a great story, uh, to kick off, to kick off the show. And I want to talk more about the pricing model you just mentioned, um, in just, just a minute, but I kind of want to dig in on a few things there that you, you mentioned as you were going through that history. So the first thing is, um, it's so interesting to me that you noticed Facebook and, and social media as what it is, which is really, you know, an advertising model prior to paid ads and things coming out. What, what do you attribute, like, how, how did you notice that, um, despite the fact that you said, like, yeah, I just saw people paying attention to this, how did you equate that to there's there's money to be made or this is really an ad platform in disguise here? I mean, it's obvious to us now, but... Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, when I looked at it, I mean, it just, it was kind of like, you know, showing up to a party for the first time and like maybe it's a party you'd heard about and everyone said it was really great. And you're like, ah, I think this is going to suck. And then you actually show up and you're like, oh, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Like the drinks are really good. The food is really good. Like the people are all really awesome, you know, and, and you hear things, but it's until you experience it for yourself that you realize the potential of something or how good it actually is. And so, you know, I had, I had heard all these anecdotes about Facebook and about Twitter and and really specifically Twitter was the, the clear, like, holy crap, there's something here for me because mm. Facebook was closed. It's a closed platform. You could only do so much within Facebook. YouTube had like 37 videos on it at that time. So there was not a lot going on. Uh, I think I Justine was like the only YouTuber uh, who was currently doing it. And she didn't even know what she was doing either. Right. right? right. Uh, so getting, getting on Twitter was really cool because I, I, could, I could go and I could find you. I could find someone in India, I could find someone just by clicking a hashtag of entrepreneur or t-shirt. Like I, I really, 
I hung around the hashtag of t-shirt very early on mm. in Twitter. And I just talked to people who would tweet about t-shirts because that was what my business was about. And I thought if they found my handle, which was I wear your shirt, they might find it interesting. And that actually did work. Like I would just have conversations. There was no pitching, nothing. But yeah, you know, going on Twitter, seeing the access to people, seeing the conversations that were happening, it just was really clear to me that, holy crap, like there is an amazing opportunity sitting here where brands are over here on the right side of this conversation. You know, this community of people on Twitter, let's say, or over here on the left side already communicating, there's a missing piece between them. You know, mm -hmm. these brands, mm -hmm. there's no way to, for them to access these conversations and feel authentic. And I think even, even today, you know, now that we're 11 years or whatever after I had this epiphany, I mean, it's, it still feels incongruent when a brand kind of jumps in your, your Twitter stream unless they're a really funny brand, you know, right. unless they really have some good personality. And, and I still think that, you know, back in, back in 2008, when I saw this, it, it was just for me wanting to say, how would I want to be communicated to if I was on the left side of this sitting on Twitter and there was a brand over here who might be interesting, you know, I, I would want someone in between to tell me whether this was good or bad or just at least to share the story so I could feel some kind of relatability. So you really just injected yourself into the conversation where it was already ha I mean, I just I'm trying to think of basically reverse engineering this from the perspective of somebody who's who's thinking about, OK, maybe it's not T-shirts, but they they're really into uh, uh, headphones. I have headphones on right now. And so, you know. Yeah. basically inserting yourself I think is the lesson to take away from that and, and letting that organic conversation sort of spur how you develop your product is kind of how you did that. Not, not to make it too business school. Yeah. But... And, and, and none of it was, none of it was going for the sale right away. Right. right? Like, you know, I, I know you guys had Gary B on the show recently and, mm -hmm. and I, I didn't even know who Gary B was when I started all this stuff. And I don't even think Gary V knew who Gary V was yeah. back in 2008. Right. <laughs> I don't um, think the Gary Vee -E like, thing was a was a brand yet. I think he was just named like Gerald yeah, Vaynerchuk or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things that I remember, like he and I, we did a live video show together at a conference in 2009, and that was before either of us got yeah. you know really had much notoriety at all. He was he was probably more well well he was definitely more well known than I was because Twitter had like promoted his account and other things. Mm -hmm. But I remember sitting there talking during during this live stream and like. And it was my my channel, my show that like eighty thousand people were watching in that day, which is crazy. Like yeah. that's not Gary Vee bringing that audience. That's me showing up and Gary being there, and him being like, you know, how'd you do this? And I, I went through all this stuff, and he was like, <laughs> he was like, here's the clear thing that you did. You didn't go for the home run right away. Like mm -hmm. you you went for the like, let me talk to people and be a human. And and I really think that that in itself, like whether you want to win in starting a, your own startup or building a crazy project like I wear your shirt or just having some humble business that you feel really passionate about, it's that you don't go for the sale at every single point of conversation is that you actually just be a human being that you want to have conversations with people. And that that's just kind of a thing that you do that lasts. And, and what I think my wife, who's like incredible at branding and, and has an eye for, for that type of thing and an ear for it, is that that's what I did before even knowing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I was, I was doing branding. I was like, you know, doing all those things, but without any kind of like, uh, you know, like, Oh, this is my sleazy tactic that I'm going to use. Right. It's just, that's who I was as a person. And that's what really works. And I think that that's what we see even now is, is brands succeed. People succeed, startups succeed when they are just genuine and authentic. Um, you know, and I think there's a whole bunch of layers of like consistency and work and, you know, just kind of being unique that, that helps stand out as well. But, um, yeah, that was really the thing for me that, that like helped me, kind of put all this stuff together and then actually move forward with it where most people would like have an idea 
and then not execute it and then maybe give up when it first got difficult. Yeah, yeah. And what you're, I mean, I, I love the way you just said that because what you're describing is really just now considered social 101 for every Fortune 500 brand that exists, right? Like inserting yourself in the conversation right. and just being, but you were just doing it out in, in reality out of just that's who you are and that's how you were conversing at the time, which I think is, uh, is really interesting yeah. as you see brands try to sort of mimic that. Not that it's bad, but just that it's, uh, the way that things are going. So that brings me to, uh, I want to get more about, to, uh, like I said, to the sales, ta- uh, tactics and also putting your customer at the center of your experience. But something that I think is really interesting in a little bit of a dichotomy is that, um, so since then you built that business, you've kind of built it on the back of just your, your ability and your conversation on social. I listened to, um, your, your podcast, uh, the action, is it the action army? Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah. So I listened to that recently. And one of your most recent episodes, you talk about the need for an entrepreneur in a business to maybe consider not starting on social, but maybe starting elsewhere. And I thought that was super, super interesting, just knowing a little bit about your background um, and kind of probably speaks to the evolution of what social media is. And so I, I just wanted to ask you about that, um, seeing where you came from and, and how you built it on the back of social and, and those interactions. What makes you say today Hey, entrepreneur X, uh, you know, I'd consider going a different route right off the bat. Yeah. You know, I think for the, and especially because I know the majority of the people who listen to my own podcast, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they want like the helpful business tactics. They want the things and they're not looking necessarily for shortcuts as much as they're just looking for the like, Hey, what should I do if I'm going to spend time? Mm -hmm. And I really believe that, you know, like I said, the metaphor of the party, you know, 11 years ago with social media. You show up at that party and it's very easy to meet everybody at that party. It's very easy to have conversations. It's very easy to try all the things at that party and feel like it's not overwhelming. Like it's still big, but it's not crazy big. Right, right. I mean, you look at it now, it's insane. Like social media now is, it's unbelievable. There are so many millions of new accounts being created on all platforms at all times. How are you going to keep up? And I think Mm -hmm. that you absolutely can. And so I think there's actually a place for social media for a lot of people who can juggle spending time on social media, being a person, having interactions, building a social content plan, like all that stuff. Like, I think that that's worthwhile. But if you're going to ask me, Jason, you have to tell me to choose where should I spend my time? It is not on social media anymore Mm -hmm. because no one is going to want to invest the one-on-one time that it takes and the authentic time. And that's the other thing. Like so many people now get on social media because they're like, oh, here's my tactic. I get on, I create some beautiful images. I grab some quotes that I may have said. Mm -hmm. Uh, I show some lifestyle stuff. I do some discounts at this point, blah, 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 blah. And like, that's my social strategy. And for me, it was never a social strategy. It was life. Mm -hmm. And it was just me being a person and living my life and then talking to people about it. And so when, when I think people are looking at what they should do to run a business, and that's the other thing that, that there's a real big distinction here is if you want to run a business, a business is not having a social media account that promotes your stuff. That's not a business. Right. A business is a value exchange. It's you creating something that provides value for someone else. They give you money. Like that's business 101. And I think for so many people, because social media is so exciting, because you see so many success stories, all this other stuff, people think that they can just jump on and all of a sudden they have this business that creates itself. When I think so many people, they don't even have a business in itself. Mm-hmm. They just have something that they want to do or spend time on. And, and that's really one thing that I've tried to focus on a lot as I've moved forward in my own stuff is to say, like, am I building a business? And, and it's okay if it's not, if it's just a hobby or a side project or whatever you want it to be. That's totally cool. 
but you also need to know where you're investing and spending your time. And so I, I spend, it's hilarious. I mean, I probably spent 16 hours a day on social media mm-hmm. from 2008 to 2013. Mm-hmm. Now I probably spend, I mean, I can actually tell you, I spend 2% of my time because I use rescue time to track my time. And I recently mm-hmm. did an experiment with it. I spend 2% of my time online on social media platforms. Wow. I've quit Facebook. I barely use Twitter. I look at Instagram twice a day. Like right now, as we're doing this interview, I'm not on any social media for the month of December. I take right. usually July and December completely off and do a social detox, which I'm sure we'll get to later. But these, these platforms, people put so much importance into them and thinking that they're going to make or break their business when they're not those things. Mm-hmm. Th- that's not what these things are built for. And they also show you the fragility of maybe a business that you don't even actually have because you're propped up thinking that like, oh, I have followers. Oh, I have comments. I have all this stuff. Like that's not, you can't pay a mortgage with followers. Sure. Like you can't walk into a bank and be like, Hey, can you give me a loan for a house? I have 10,000 followers on Instagram. Sure. They're sure. like, uh, I don't think so. Like maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe there's some crazy company that wants to do that, but I think you get my point. And, New- and, and that's to me is, is where I just think so many people get lost in the like, I have to start with social media. It's like, no, you don't. That's just a tool to use if it feels right. And if you want to spend yeah. the time there. Yeah, no, it, it totally makes makes sense. Um, I just had an idea while you were talking about that. Like, maybe we could start a business for uh, doing mortgages purely on influencer accounts or something like that. I don't know. Maybe there's <laughs> something we can do there. But no, yeah, I think it's. I think what you're describing, it, it really struck me honestly when I was listening to it as like, like it felt wrong almost hearing hearing somebody say that because, and I, I mean that's just because I've been so conditioned and I haven't been in social as long as you or, or Gary or anybody. But I mean, it's been. Um, you know, eight years of, of working primarily in that in that industry, it almost feels like, oh, oh, that that hurts to hear that, you know, be said. But I think that even the way we're talking about social and the fact that really today, you know, a majority of my clients and our clients are putting out a very um, polished, you know, uh, polished uh, presentation of who they are as a business on social the way they would have on TV 15 years ago just because of awareness. Yep. What you're saying is the reasons that that you're that you use social those kind of it's not that they're not there but they're they're very much different right like it's not an authentic just conversation at a party to use your analogy as much as it is really a commercial yep. in a lot of ways. Yep. And so yeah, if you absolutely. don't have the business to, you know, to the way, advertise, then why, what are you doing on there? Exactly. Yeah. You, you're, you're just getting stuck in the like cycle of trying to feel good about yourself by building up followers and by building up notoriety in some way. Mm-hmm. And it's all the like vanity metrics that, that we all are conditioned to because of things like Facebook, where they have the smartest people in the world trying to figure out how we use the internet. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, they gain the system. And listen, I'm not trying to be you know, a super hippie who says, you know, you have to get off of every social media platform. But like I saw the beginning of social media in 2008, I'm now here to tell you that like social media is our next great addiction. Mm -hmm. It is cigarettes. It is alcohol. It is those things. And for anybody who scoffs and laughs at that, I'm just happy to be on this side of it because I know what it feels like. And I know what it felt like when I deleted the Facebook app off of my phone for the first time. And I was driving and I stopped at a red light and I could literally grab my iPhone, flip it open, and my thumb tapped where the icon used to be, and it wasn't there. <laughs> That's an addictive trait. Mm-hmm. Sitting and refreshing a page all day long is an addictive trait. And, and I love talking to people who are like, oh, I can quit Facebook anytime. I just don't want to. Right. It's like that's the exact same sentence. Just replace cigarettes 
with Facebook in that sentence. And it's the same thing that people say when they're addicted to other things. And, and so I, I'm, I'm very bullish these days on, I don't want to be on social media because I know that people smarter than me are tricking me into staying on it. And yeah. I'm not smart enough to outsmart those people. So instead I want to detach from it and I want to control my life. And, and listen, I, you know, I, I try not to be super preachy, although maybe I'm coming off the way, but that's okay. Cause I feel very strongly about this. No, that's good. But my life is, my life is a hundred times better without social media being a huge part of it mm -hmm. because I live a more real life. I'm enjoying the moments of my life. You know, my wife and I just went to Tulum as we talked about before we started recording and it was amazing. And we took a bunch of photos but we barely posted anything. Mm -hmm. And instead we just sat there and soaked up every single moment instead of looking around and seeing all these people on their phones, trying to get the right photo, trying to get the right selfie. And when you take a step back and look at that stuff and you just realize, hey, that's fine. It's totally cool if you want to share memories and keep memories. I get that. That's 100% that's fine. But when you have to do that all the time, mm -hmm. what's it going to lead to? Jason's passion for this topic is super interesting and frankly goes against the grain of what most uh, entrepreneurial folks would tell you in 2018. And personally, I've spent some time thinking through this. We, we recorded this conversation back in December. And just to be honest, I'm still continuing to figure out what this looks like for me and, and for um, my, our business and the way that it interacts with our life because I've cut way back on social media consumption and have begun to really see a positive difference in focus, relationships, work, etc. So um, still still working through it though. Uh, we're about to jump back into our conversation with Jason Zook and hear how he's continuing to build really an entirely online business without leaning heavily on social. Um, and sort of how that has happened tactically. But first, I need to ask you a quick favor. Here's the deal, gang. We've got 38 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts right now, which I'm eternally grateful for, uh, each one of them. But we've got to keep this ball rolling. If you enjoy the show or receive any benefit from it or are a kind human being or have a heartbeat, I would be thrilled to get a review from you. Once we get to 50 five-star reviews, so we're, we're close, we're 12 away, um, I'm going to start reading some of the best on future pods. And trust me, some of them you, you want to hear. They're ridiculous, uh, but they're great. They help us continue to connect with people, and um, you can be a part of that. So go leave a review. All right, let's get back to the show with Jason Zook. I think, I mean, you know, and it, I, I wasn't really expecting us to talk about, about this per se, but just looking at <laughs> and reflecting through even myself, my own behaviors, I deleted Facebook for three years prior to starting coming and doing the business that I'm doing now. And um, part of it for me was, oh, I have to because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to grow customers and like, I, I'm just as I'm thinking through this and hearing you, I'm, I'm thinking through, well, is that the right decision? I'm not really sure. I, I kind of want to evaluate, reevaluate that. But um, I do think it's interesting that there's almost that thought, com you know, compelling nature to Facebook, like you said. And, and obviously it's open and it's it's uh, the, the open secret that these things are engineered to be addicting in nature. So that shouldn't come as a surprise. But I think yeah. what's, what's – uh, maybe surprising or what people don't think about so much is the second part of that, which you were just talking about, which is, you know, if you have a page and you've grown followers and you've been putting out content just in a helpful and, and, you know, uh, sustainable way, 
that is not necessarily rewarded anymore. And now it's a pay-to-play environment, yep. which, again, is fine. It's an ad platform. But as a consumer, you just have to be aware that whoever, whatever you're seeing, um, there was enough importance behind it from a brand or from a company or from a agency, whatever, from somebody's perspective to spend a significant amount of money probably to get your attention on it. And so that, you know, all of that yep. has to go into your thinking there. But I think the word that you use that I love and that I want to, I want to get into a little bit is detox. You, you talk about, um, yeah, I'm, I'm on a social detox and you're on it for this entire month, right? Until, until January. So just, just talk yep. about, I mean, like, what is, you know, what have you learned aside from, you know, you were talking about Tulum there a little bit, but, um, are, do you see any like missed connections or missed opportunities business wise? Do you miss anything in terms of personal relationships or do you kind of figure, find that like, Hey, I'm actually fine. And yeah, I still keep in touch with the people I love and care about and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So let's go back to 2014 real quick. It's, uh, sure. or yeah, 2014 it's, it's October of 2014. Um, I had transitioned out of my eye reassure business. I shut that down in 2013. I had just started getting into creating some software, creating some online products, um, you know, trying to basically leverage all the lessons I learned building a business to teach people everything that I'd learned and then also just explore some other crazy, weird ideas. And I found myself one day sitting, staring at a Facebook empty post going, what should I post that will get a lot of attention? And I, I, I had a moment where I just almost threw up all over my computer because I said, how have I gotten to this point? And I think we, I think a lot of us, a lot of your listeners have been at this moment and we've seen this and, and it's scary. It's not a cool, it, to me, it's just like, that's not a good place to be. And it was at that moment where I said, you know what? Um, my wife and I had already planned to go on a, like a little road trip. Um, and at the time we were living in Jacksonville, Florida. So we were actually going to go up into the, the Smoky Mountains and just, just spend some time in a cabin and just like, just be offline for a little while, or at least mm -hmm. be less online. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go without social media for a month. And she kind of laughed because I had been on social media so much my whole life and, and entrepreneur life had been built on it for the previous five years. And I was like, I just, I want to see what this feels like. And so we did that. And I, and this was like right before we left was when I deleted the Facebook app off my phone for the first time. My mm -hmm. thumb went to the, the place where it was and right. I had that like weird nervous tick. And, and you're exactly right. Those questions that you brought up are the immediate things I thought about. How am I going to stay in touch with people? How is anybody going to know what I, if I'm alive? You know, uh, what am I going to talk about every day? What am I going to do? And it was really interesting because for the first two weeks, it was very difficult. Uh, it was very difficult from the standpoint of I didn't even know what to do with my phone. My iPhone at the mm. time felt completely worthless. I was just like, what do you do when there's no social media on a phone? Like I could only go to ESPN.com so many times before I'd read every single news story, even about sports I didn't care about. Right. Um, <clears throat> so what I really started to realize was, you know, I got off social media so then people couldn't immediately connect to me. Well, then all of a sudden I started getting emails from people or I started getting text messages from people mm -hmm. and they would, you know, have some sarcastic comment like, oh, I know you're not on social media because you're being a weirdo and you're taking a break. I uh, just wanted to send you this photo of this thing I'm doing or wanted to send you this link of this cool story that I read. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Like the people that I actually care about and have a real relationship with are coming to me as if we're friends and it's not just this like passive, we're all sitting here letting the news feeds take care of our entire lives mm. kind of thing. And by the end of that first 30, 30 day detox on, on social media, I had actually started coming up with business ideas and I hadn't really come up with new business ideas for years. And it was really interesting. And I, and I know what happened 
is that I created this space for my mind to not be thinking about all these little digital connections and, and all these little messages that were constantly hitting my brain and, and taking all that kind of taxing time. And my brain actually had time to like figure stuff out and think about things. And, and that was actually where I came up with my uh, by my future, which is now by our future idea, right. um, which has led to half a million dollars in revenue. Wow. So a social media detox for me, not only like took care of a lot of cool life stuff, but it presented an idea that I would not have had because I had not had ideas for years while I was taking a break. So kind of fast forward after that, you know, I do this intentionally now a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love it. It has become now it's not scary at all. Now it's almost like people are, they're just waiting for it to happen so they can start sending me emails and things, which is funny. But um, I really love it because it, it puts me in control of how I use these platforms and it makes me feel like I'm not just a slave to these apps on my phone or to, on the computer. Sure. Um, and that I have the mental space. Like I'm constantly coming up with ideas during these social media detox times. Uh, and the other cool offshoot is that I wrote a journal during that first detox. So every day mm-hmm. I didn't publish it anywhere. I just wrote it on my computer. And, and then I published it when I was done just with the intention of saying, hey, I did this for 30 days. Here's exactly how I felt. And that article a year later has now become the number one result if you search social media detox or take a break from social media or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year alone, it brought 150,000 people to my website, Jason Does Stuff, which is amazing. Like to me, I love that because I get emails now every single day from people who read that post that say, hey, I'm a mom and I could feel myself literally not paying attention to my children because I was on Facebook all day. Mm-hmm. And your post, like, it inspired me to take Facebook off my phone. And now I'm, like, doing stuff with my kids that I have never done before. And it's things like that that's just, sure, that doesn't move the business needle at all times, no, which but, is not super important to yeah, me anymore. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like, we, we all have to live. We all have to exist. We all get these one lives that we, that we can spend time doing stuff. And if we're just so focused on these little apps and things, um, you miss out on so much good stuff. And you also don't realize, like, there's so much more that you can do and you can come up with if your brain has time to take a break from all these messages and all this noise. Yeah, I think uh, the other, and the other thing it really shows is that there's just a huge craving out there from people at large um, for your content. The fact that, I mean, you have a lot of content on your site, so the fact that that, that post has risen so so quickly in the last year, you know, I think it's just yep. uh, a sign of that. I think um, there's a guy named John Mark Comer out in in Portland who talks regularly about the addiction of, of mobile devices and specifically social media. And this year for the first six months, I, I Sabbathed from, from social media one day a week, which I thought was was great. Well, I mean, yeah, I need to up my game to get on the, the Zook level, but, um, (laughs) but I definitely, I, I see what you're saying in terms of like, we took walks, there was, uh, time to think time to like read physical books with pages and, um, yep. yeah, I don't know that that's <laughs> definitely a good space to, to come up with ideas and things like that. But I have to ask you on the harsh business reality side of things, right? Like a, a lot of our listeners are probably agree with what we're talking about, but are also probably like, uh, Facebook is what I rely on to talk about my special next week or whatever. How do yep. you, and, and, and just for everybody who, you know, Jason has, has several businesses and predominantly digital products. So h- how do you, knowing that your business is, is almost, you know, wholly online, how do you continue to not just talk to people that really care about you or that are your friends or things like that, but just your customers? How do you continue those conversations and, yeah. and make sure that's fruitful on the business side? 
it's almost as if I soft pitched this question to you to throw back to me. Like that's how <laughs> great I, like how excited I am that you asked this question. So, Perfect. um, I, so 2013, I'm very transparent about numbers and things because I think it's helpful just to see other people and their experiences. I also think we would have a lot less stigma with money if we all had more open conversations about it. Mm-hmm. But 2013, I was obsessed with social media, on it every single day, started a digital product, started my first software company. Um, the end of that year, I think I made just under $100,000. Okay. 2014, I had maybe a couple more digital products, still using social media quite a bit, didn't take that detox until the end of 2014. I made about $120,000 that year. Hmm. 2015, I started to get a little bit more discerning. I started to spend a lot less time on Facebook, still was spending a good amount of time on Twitter, um, you know, wasn't spending any time on YouTube. Um, and all of a sudden, I, I, you know, I had this buy my future idea that I came up with, and I made over $250,000 in 2015. Wow. 2016, I completely quit Facebook. Uh, I very much limit my time on Twitter and Instagram. I make $300,000. 2017, I have almost completely turned off all social media except for posting pictures of my dog on Instagram and like my wife and I's travels and things like that. Mm-hmm. I tweet a little bit. It's not very often at all, especially compared to what I used to do. And I'll do over 300000 again in revenue this year, probably close to three fifty. Wow. So what's amazing to me, if we just look at the chart of social media usage and business revenue, is social media usage goes down from the top left and revenue goes up from the bottom left. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely something that scared the crap out of me because it's exactly what you say. Like, if I, if I don't post on Facebook, how are people going to know about my thing? If I don't post on Twitter, how are people going to blah, blah, blah. And this is a real concern for me. This is what I was wrestling with the entire time I was thinking about stopping. And what it, what it really realized for me was if you're focusing on just trying to get people's attention through social media, you're playing the same game everybody else is these days. Mm-hmm. That's all anybody's doing. Everyone's just like, how can I win on Facebook? How can I do all these things? Blah, 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 blah. Instead, what if you use that same time to just build such a great product that's unique, that's interesting, that actually solves the problem for people, so that's like your business. What if you had amazing customer service? If you actually took care of your customers, you spent less time focusing on customer acquisition and more time on customer retention. Mm -hmm. And then what if you just prioritized creating content in a way that you want to and you actually believe brings value either to you or to the world? Because I would argue that the majority of people who create social media content don't actually love the content they create. Mm. They just create it because they know it's a means or they think it's a means to an end to do that. Um, And so, you know, I think that there is just a direct correlation for me between taking all this time I was spending on social media and investing it in all these other things and making my product better, making my customer experience so much better. And anybody who's a customer of any of my products will tell you they hear from me. Like there's no virtual assistant. I don't outsource customer support. I want to help customers because here's what happens. Here's the beauty of what, of what goes on when this happens. I solve a problem that someone has through the product or service. Something goes wrong. Something doesn't work. They have an issue. They come and say like, oh, I need some help with something. I fix that problem. That person now goes, holy crap, this is such a great experience. I just heard directly from the founder deal stuff. You know what? I have a friend who's been talking to me about the same thing I want to do. I'm going to go tell them about Jason or about this company or whatever. This is how I've, I've built and continue to build my businesses and how I will continue to do it for as long as I possibly can. And I believe it will continue to work because I see the data. I see those two charts, the one going up and the one going down. Right is that word of mouth is still the most powerful marketing we have. Hmm. And you can't invent it. No viral video can beat it. Nothing like social media is going to trump 
someone's voice telling a friend of theirs how great it is. Now, could they do that through social media? Yes. However, how many other messages are they possibly seeing at the same time that it's just going to dilute the value of that message as opposed to someone literally forwarding an email, texting someone, talking to someone in person. So, you know, I, I just like to challenge all these things for myself first, you know, because yeah. I, I have these same thoughts that you bring up of, is this going to work? Is my business going to suffer? And I'm just willing to take that risk because that's actually what it means to be an entrepreneur. Um, it doesn't mean just filming YouTube videos. It means actually taking risks <laughs> and running a business and then, and then see what happens and then just see, okay, what does the data tell me here? Because I get the value of branding. My wife and I have this discussion all the time. I totally get it. Like being on social media is important to build some semblance of a brand and to stay in front of people. And that has definitely helped in some respects. Right. But I can tell you that less than 3% of the traffic to my website is from social media and everything else is coming from Google and organic search results. And that those people are turning into customers and they're great customers too, because they've actually sought out the things that I'm talking about and they care. They're not just getting a deal or whatever or you know anything else being posted mm -hmm. on social. So just going back to the things that if if before you know 2002, if this is 2001 or 2002, the things that we pro hopefully would have focused on in a good business model anyway, in the sense of just providing good services, yeah. providing good customer service, all, all of those types of things. Absolutely, and yeah. I, and I think that so much of the product that you sell, the experience that a customer has, is now second rate to. How can we get more customers? Like, what do our marketing funnels look oh, like? Oh, What's our uh, sales strategy? Like, right? Like, yeah. when you sit down to talk about a business or, or like, how to grow a business, it's always that conversation first. Not mm -hmm. like, how do we make our product as bulletproof as possible? How do we, you know, I love Kathy Sierra, her book, uh, Badass Making Users Awesome. It changed my frame of thinking in selling anything because no longer is it, how can I just provide someone with something of value? It's, how can I make them better at what they do? So if someone is signing up for Teachery, the online course platform that I have, how can I make sure that if they're a photographer, they're helping sell their photography skills to make other photographers better? It's not just to make a great online course. That doesn't really matter. Right. It's that end result. So how am I helping them do that? And a lot of times I'm, I completely miss and fail at that. And I don't do a good job and I don't prioritize enough of that. But to keep that in front of your mind first is the long game of building a business that actually lasts and provides people value and that won't just get kind of washed away when Facebook pages completely disappear, right? right or right, right. YouTube videos don't don't become a conversion funnel to get people into your ebook and then blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's, that's so good. And that's going back to those core fundamentals for us even is such a great, it's easy to get caught. I mean, like this, this show we're doing right now just to bring it home here like well i mean this is entirely a hobby uh it it, it is a um, yep. a little bit of awareness play but it's it's definitely not a business and we have no we have no preconceived notions of that um but i think that allowing it to just be that you know something that we really enjoy making we like putting yep. out for the people it, it doesn't put any pressure on us to pretend like it's anything else. And then when we're doing our business, um, which is like, you know, like you said, 90, 95% of the week or whatever it is, um, we're totally focused on that. And the, and the two in some ways yeah. don't really meet. Uh, and I think that's kind of a little bit of what you're talking about as well here in, in terms of separating almost that personal part of your life from, uh, uh, or, or making sure that you're making decisions that are, benefiting your personal part of your life without just selling everything out for quote unquote business to, to an extent. Is that yeah. And accurate? I think that I think for sure. And I, I see, I see so many people constantly 
playing the game of like, oh, I, I'm going to start a podcast for my business. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's totally fine. What's your business? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, the podcast is about, and I'm like, no, 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 no. What's the business? Right. Like there needs to be a thing because a podcast in itself is not a business. It's actually a terrible place to have a business because no one listens to a podcast while sitting at their computer holding a credit card ready to buy. Like that's not how people listen to podcasts. They listen to them on treadmills, in the kitchen, in the car, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is just a thing that, that provides a, a way for you to um, maybe put your, your thoughts out into the world, to express your uh, stories and things that you want to get out into the world. And they can turn into businesses, but I think the majority of people who have turned a podcast into an actual business that number is so infinitesimally small. It's the same with YouTubers. Oh, like fully. everyone sees like a Casey Neistat and they're like, oh, I'll just start a daily vlog. And I'm like, oh, please do that. I did a daily vlog before that was actually a thing that existed mm-hmm. for five years, essentially. And I started with the business model first. Like mm-hmm. YouTube was a caveat you know, for everything else. It was a business first and YouTube was a part of it. Whereas everyone starts with like, I'll just start a blog and then I'll get popular. And then Samsung will send me all this stuff and, and I'll be rich. And then what happens? Like, 13 days later, they stop doing a vlog. And then like three months later, they haven't uploaded a video in forever. Right, and right. it's because people just think that you can just create a con- create content and make a business out of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I do think that things like podcasts, things like social media, things like YouTube videos, they have their place and there is value to it. But if you, if you are trying to run a business, if you are trying to make money, then those things all become very small parts of and less important parts of what actually really matters, which is the product and the customer experience through that. And if you're not into that, then you shouldn't be building a startup. You shouldn't be building a business. You should go work for someone else and then maybe just have something on the side where you just want to try and build a personal brand for yourself and do all that stuff. That's totally cool. I'm, I'm fine for that as well. And I would actually advocate that most people are not wired to be entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. uh, because I just don't think they're willing to deal with the ups and downs of it. I don't think they're willing to deal with the stress of it. Um, And I certainly have learned so many lessons in my time as an entrepreneur now, 12 years doing this, that you you have to have a different frame of mind. Like you have to think about things and be so detached from them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has only come from me with experience. I didn't start out that way. Like when I only had 12 visitors to iRearShirt.com the first day it launched, I almost cried myself to sleep eating oh, ice cream. Yeah, no sure. joke. Yeah. Like I remember going through Ben and Jerry's uh, and just <laughs> sitting in bed being like, this idea is a failure. No one's going to like it. I'm the worst person in the world. What happened? Mm-hmm. But you, you learn from all those experiences and you get stronger, you get sharper and you get kind of mental, mentally tougher at them. Um, and so that for me has just been the big kind of mental shift as I've gone through my journey here as an entrepreneur. Awesome. Awesome. No, totally resonate with what you're saying. I think, uh, my wife just the other day, we were going through our finances for, for this year. And, um, at, she specifically asked me if we need to add a line item in 2018 for Ben and Jerry's, which I feel like is equivalent. Uh, <laughs> it goes with just like stress and, and, and what you're doing in business. So I, I resonate with that. No. And I think, just to just to touch on something you mentioned there, like because for us, this you know the startup show and doing a podcast has been an, just such an awesome tool to be able to talk to people like you who are so much more advanced and have you know ten years experience, twenty years experience, whatever. Um, and for whatever reason, because it's a podcast, they're willing to talk to you. You know what I mean? And I think that yep. there's like value to that. Um, but on the flip side of it, you know, to your point, not. I don't even know, maybe, maybe 1% or 0.5% are going to be like a Bill Simmons, uh, the ringer network, which is a full-time business. Right. But, um, 
you know, he has got huge sponsors on that. And so if you're not thinking of it that way and you're thinking about starting a podcast or, or starting a vlog or starting about whatever, like like Jason said, you're, you really have to have that business model in place um, uh, first in order to be able to take full advantage of that. So but speaking of, of business models, I know um, we're coming towards the time end of our time here, but I kind of want to ask you something that I really appreciate about at least what I can see from from the you know opaque uh, outside walls through social media is just it, the sense anyway that um, you know you've been able to sort of carry this thread that we've been talking about throughout this conversation of of putting you know your personal health and and life and family first and building businesses that really serve you as opposed to the reverse. And I kind of just wanted to hear your thoughts. I think there's a lot of hype around entrepreneurship, a lot of hype around. Um, you know, going for it all and, and, and which is great. And I mean, I followed it and, and love it, love this life, but how have you been able to keep that in perspective of everything else that, that balances out who you are and, and how have you been able to make those companies that really do serve your lifestyle? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> I would love to give you like one little quippy answer that like mm -hmm. sums it all up, but it's not that easy, you know? And I think that that's just the real honest truth of it. I mean, I, my Aria shirt business was one of the best things and one of the worst things for my life. You know, when I finished that business, when I shut that business down, I was $100,000 in debt. I was almost 50 pounds overweight. Um, really? I was the most stressed out I've ever been in my life. And I had a million dollar business on paper. Mm -hmm. And so I could have spun that any way I wanted. I could have said, like, I have a million dollar revenue generating company. But it would have just been a complete lie because while it was that, I was miserable. Mm. So that was the thing that I, I realized. And when I shut that business down, I, I read a book uh, by uh, uh, Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way. Oh, and my, my friend Pam Slim, who's also an author, absolutely. And that book helped reframe for me the way that I thought about my Irish shirt business from it's a complete failure. It ended with me in debt, blah, 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 to no. You know what? Like some of those obstacles, some of those things I went through, or what has set me up for where I am today, where I do live a life where I can travel, I can do those things. I don't have money overflowing in my bank account. Like mm -hmm. I'm not one of those entrepreneurs that has hundreds of thousands of dollars just sitting around because I don't prioritize that. I don't mm -hmm. prioritize money. What I prioritize is quality of life and being able to do anything I want every single day of my life. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing for me that changed in 2013 was my wife and I sat down and we were like, what are our life goals? And I was like, million dollars in the bank, fancy car, really nice house, you know, work flexibility. You know, we started going through all those things and it was like, actually the first three, I don't really care about, hmm. you know, I like, I think I'm supposed to like those because MTV Cribs told me I'm supposed to like those. And I love MTV Cribs, but like, that's a societal thing. That's not actually what matters to me at the core of it. But what really matters to me is that last one. So, you know, it's funny you bring up you and your wife having a conversation about money and like the Ben and Jerry's budget. Mm -hmm. And we really started to sit down and we started to say, we need to come up with a, a budget for us that really makes sense. And we need to strip away everything we can because number one, I hate having this hundred thousand dollars in debt. This thing just weighed on my shoulders and sat on top of me. And it was miserable to have that money looming that I owed. Mm -hmm. And it really just, every time I saw it in my different credit card accounts, it was like 10 credit card accounts that, that carried that money. Um, it, it was just, it was like a reinforcement every single time of my failures, seeing that money. And so what we really did is, is we said, let's strip away everything. Let's not have a budget for anything frivolous. Let's not do anything else. And let's just really try and, and crush this debt. And so a year and a half is how long it took for us to get through all of our debt. $124,000 is exactly how much it was. Mm. And we prioritized paying off our debt over everything else. Now, we had a travel budget of $200 a month. 
that we allocated and that was it. It was $200. So we could stay like one night at an Airbnb. Uh, we could save up for a couple months, maybe fly somewhere and then come back. But it never got beyond that. And, and one of the best things that I ever did and then my wife ever helped prioritize was a weekly budget meeting together. And if you don't have a significant other to have a budget meeting with, get a financial planner as fast as you can and don't pay them anything. You shouldn't be paying a financial planner. That's not how they work. Um, you need to find a good one that's referred to you by someone else. Mm-hmm. And have them help you sit down and create the system for yourself and to really like line item out every single thing you pay for and start to understand, like, do I need a Dropbox and a this account or can I just have one? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do, do I still need to pay for MailChimp if I'm not even using it anymore? Like, it sounds silly, but we found so many thousands of dollars. And, and if anybody wants, because I know from a ton of experience now, everyone deals with debt. I mean, 99 percent of our society deals with debt. Um, I wrote about our entire debt story, story at jasondoesstuff.com slash debt. And you can read that's a two-parter of every single thing that we did, how we found tons of extra money every single year that we were just giving away that we could put towards our debt. But to kind of re- come back around, that has been the most valuable thing that I did starting in 2013 because what it did is it set me up for that fourth priority that I was thinking about, which was I want to be able to fully control every single thing that I do on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be tied to a business where – I have to sit there all day or I don't want to be tied to clients who control what I do and tell me how I'm, how I can be doing things. Mm -hmm. And so it was from that moment forward that now I had some values in place where it was control and flexibility. So any business idea I had, I had some really fun business ideas over the years, but they didn't meet those two core values that really mattered to me. And so I just said no to them and everything else I would say yes to when I would experiment with and I would build stuff and I would shut stuff down um, and, and I would do podcast interviews with people who I'd never heard of or people who I would go to their iTunes show and they had no reviews in two episodes. And mm-hmm. I would still say yes. And the reason I said yes to those is because I was that person in 2009 mm-hmm. who was just getting started and basically begging people for their attention. And people said yes to me. And it was the most like gratifying and rewarding and momentum building thing for me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm kind of touching on here at the end, but uh, for me, it's it's that prioritization of really figuring out like what actually matters to you, like so importantly, figure out what matters to you. Once you know that, prioritize that over everything else. And then whatever it is that you're building, how can you build the product to be amazing? How can you build the customer experience to be amazing? How can you focus on your customers just winning completely based on whatever it is you're selling them? Mm-hmm. And then everything else from there, just try and let it work itself out. Like don't get so focused on, I have to be on social media because everyone else is on social media. Test that assumption. Don't be on it for a couple months. See if your business revenue goes up. If it does, then you go, okay, I don't need social media. That was great. Hmm. If you want to test some Facebook ads for your business, you feel like you have the product and the customer service down, go for it. Facebook ads are one of the best ad buys you can buy right now because it's Facebook. However, just know that now you have a business that runs completely on you paying to acquire customers and that that could be taken out from under you. So you have to be careful. So these things for me have been like the pillars of change over, over the years for me. Mm-hmm. And, and really the thing that it all boils down to for me is just doing everything with intention. And so really focusing on every decision that I make is to sit back and go, is this a shiny object and I'm just really excited about this? Or is this something I really want to be doing, something I really want to spend my time on? And if it is, then cool, I'm going to do it. And if it's going to fit my values, awesome. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't and it costs a lot of money or it costs a lot of time or you know, it's going to stress me out. Like, I don't need another million dollar business. I'm not interested because I know what that took and I know how stressed out I got. I don't want to be overweight again. Mm-hmm. Like all of those things for me, I was so glad to walk away from. It sucked at the time, but it was one of the best lessons that I could have learned moving forward to 
further my entrepreneurial career and kind of get to where I am today. Hmm. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for, for, <laughs> for, for sharing all of that. I'm, I'm, uh, this is, uh, such a different episode than what I was, uh, where I was <laughs> expecting this to head, but this has been so good for me just in my, my mental capacity. Just when you were talking there at the end, I was thinking about just this morning, I, I, pressed publish on a post that I really wasn't happy about uh, a written post that I wasn't happy about, but I felt like a compulsion that I had to get it out on social, had to get it out because, you know, it just, I said I was going to, and I, I just had to, like, it has to be the post that goes out in the morning and my Instagram is going to suffer. But, 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 and, um, yeah. and that's, I, so it's just very, very, uh, real for me in the moment. I think, real for a lot of people who are who are listening to this and thank you so much for for coming on this show jason because i we are we have more than zero reviews on itunes i will say that but (laughs) we are we are uh, definitely at the starting blocks and um you know it's i I, we derek and i have been talking about we at some point need to figure out a way to to encapsulate and talk about some of the lessons we're learning here but the biggest one is just the power of asking and and the generosity of people like yourself to come on and, and give us um, some of your knowledge and share some of this expertise. So I really, I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been uh, an awesome conversation for me. And I think a lot of people are going to walk away with um, some, some heavy thoughts heading into 2018, which will be, uh, or I don't know when this will come out either end of 2017 or early 2018, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. To, to help uh, structure things. So really appreciate that. Yeah, and you bring up a word that I, I would love to, to tie this all together on, yeah. and that is a phrase that I live by now, which is, you don't get what you don't ask for. And that's been true for my crazy I wear your shirt adventure. Like, if I didn't ask people to pay me to wear a t-shirt, they weren't just going to show up. You know, mm-hmm. I sold my last name twice. We didn't even talk about that. I was willing to ask <laughs> people to do that. Um, I got a, I had a fully sponsored book. 204 companies sponsored my book. I made $75,000 as a book advance, essentially, and I'd never written anything other than tweets and emails. So, right, right. you know, and then my buyer feature project that made over half a million dollars, I've been willing to ask for all these crazy things and not worry about whether someone's going to say yes or no, but just be willing to put them out there. And I think mm-hmm. that's where so many people get stuck is they have ideas, they have thoughts, they have big dreams that they want to kind of chase after, but they're so afraid to ask because someone might say no. I'm here to tell you, people are going to say no. That's totally fine. But if you believe in that thing that you're asking for more than you care about the feelings of someone saying no to you, then you're on the right path. And that eventually people are going to start saying yes if you keep asking enough times and in the right way and you keep showing up. And that's the stuff that matters. Mm -hmm. You know, what doesn't matter is exactly what you just said, which is like, I got to get this post out on Instagram. Otherwise, what? You know, like, is Instagram going to melt? You know, is your account (laughs) going to be deleted because you didn't post? Like, it's so funny how we get conditioned to those things without even thinking about them. And that's like the least important thing that we all should be thinking about. And I'm saying this from someone who thought about those things. As I said, like I stared at that Facebook post box that one day thinking, what could I post to get a lot of likes and comments? Mm. Like that's the moment where you go, something's got to give, something's got to change. And I need to kind of set myself up to be in a better place. And, and so, yeah, you know, anybody listening to this, you guys, myself included every single day, I just keep thinking about this. You don't get what you don't ask for. And so if I'm afraid of something, then that probably means I should keep asking for it because it's something that's, that's different or unique or what have you. Um, and if it's just launching my very first thing and just asking like a friend to buy it at a deep discount so I can get my first sale, then make that ask too. And if someone says, no, that's okay, but learn from those experiences because that's been the most powerful thing for me over the years. So good, man. Thank you for all of this. This has been uh 
this has been I'm a little bit of a like I'm definitely gonna have to edit this out. I'm a little bit at a loss for words just because <laughs> I'm just so much in my I head. think you should leave this in. <laughs> or maybe I'll leave I it. Leave this in yeah, maybe I'll leave is, it in. This is the real this is this is the real stuff. So here, uh, before we like close this thing down. Yeah. Your moment right right there of like being speechless, of not knowing what to say, like that's the majority of our lives. But we don't share that stuff because it doesn't get positive reinforcement. True. But I'm here to tell you, like, that's the important moment that you grasp a hold of and you go, that's for me. That's for me to take and to say, hmm, this is going to change something in me. This is going to make an impact for me because I've had those exact moments. Like, I'm getting chills now because I'm thinking back to times in my life where people have said something to me and it's completely shifted something for me. And it's, it's just because you needed someone to say it in a certain way, because mm-hmm. maybe you've heard it so many times before. Like, I'm not saying anything new here. Mm-hmm. Everyone's already mm-hmm. said all the stuff I'm saying, but it just might be hitting you at the right time, at the right place, with the right tone, uh, you know, with the right person's nasally voice, you know, whatever it is. And it gets you. And it's not about sharing that. It's not about like, you know, go- immediately going and telling it on the mountain that you heard this. It's about just sitting there and going, man, this is real life. Like I only get one of these. My friend AJ Leon has a, a quote that got passed around a ton a couple of years ago, which is this is not your practice life because it's so true. Like this is the one we get. Let's stop doing all the things that we feel conditioned to do. And let's start looking at all these little moments that we go, oh, I don't feel good getting up every day and forcing myself to post something. And I'm just bringing that up because no, it's yeah, example, it's perfect. Yeah. It's those types of things for everybody mm-hmm. that we just should take a step back and go, I got to look at something different here. I got to make a change. I got to step out of my comfort zone. I got to do something differently. And I'm so glad that you just like shared that little moment. Cause you easily could have just paused and be like, Oh, thanks so much. And then we hung <laughs> up the phone and then you were done. And then you sat there and no one got to experience that. And to me, like that's the part of the show. That's the most beautiful part that we've had together because that to me is like, that's real life. Yeah. Everything else is like, it's great. It's story. It's everything else. Like that is the moment that I hope, And I hope that happens with the content I write, the podcast I publish, the interviews that I do, the books that I write, the courses I create, anything I'm putting out into the world. Those are the moments that I live for. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I can't get those via a like. I can't get those via a comment. I I can get those kind of through conversations like this. But even still, most of it just happens in someone's moment in their life. And I'm just hoping that it's happening because it happened to me. And I I know how profound it was for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely – this has been – I mean, just so impactful. And um, if nobody else <laughs> takes anything away, I've been <laughs> pr- profoundly impacted. So um, thanks. Thank you so yeah, much, man. dude. I really, uh, really appreciate you taking the time. And um, before we before we sign off, um, where should, aside from social, what should people look at if they're interested in learning more about you or, or looking at the products that you make to help to help uh, entrepreneurs? Yeah, everyone, if they want to, can go to jasondoesstuff.com. Uh, I got too many projects at, at a certain point in my life, and I just felt like, man, I do a lot of stuff. I should buy a domain that like encapsulates, encapsulates all this stuff. Jason Does Stuff was available, so that's what I used. But what's really fun for me is, a little teaser here, is in 2018, my wife and I are actually combining our two brands and then our Buyer Future project into one mm. like crazy, awesome mission that we like are super excited about. So depending on when this goes out, they might see kind of the uh, the beginning of that project, which we're going to kind of build publicly, which I think will be really fun because cool. everyone gets to see like our daily arguments or, you know, things not going smoothly or mm-hmm. questions that we ask ourselves and processes that we go through. So, yeah, 
uh, jasondoesstuff.com will be the place and, and that'll eventually lead to all this new stuff that we're working on too. <laughs> Thanks so much for, for doing this. This has been awesome. It, hopefully we're going to grow the show a ton, you know, and then it's going to be worth, we're going to give you uh, a little bit better of a platform and you can come back on and, and do this again. Hey, no worries, my friend. It's, even if it was just for you, I'm, I'm happy to do it. doesn't matter it. to me. I'm not, I don't do these things for people sending traffic. I do it just for conversations like this. And hopefully the Derek really enjoyed it too. Like that's my, but in the back of my mind the entire time is like, God, I, bet, I hope Derek really enjoyed this. You just don't hear from Derek. He doesn't get the spotlight. I know. I know. I, we're trying to fix that. He's fist pumping right now in the background. So he, I think he's, he's yeah. pretty hyped. <laughs> Thanks, awesome. man. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, conversation with Jason Zook. That went so many different ways that I, I wasn't expecting, but uh, really enjoyed it personally. And Jason was an absolute pleasure to talk with. Um, I, I appreciate his kindness in coming on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and toss your boys a review. We will love you forever. Um, and if I hear, if I look through it and some of you who I know listen have not, I'm going to come after you. So go get started, leave us a review, and we'll see you next time on The Startup Show.